Welcome to the Speaking Podcast. You can find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com or also on BitChute and YouTube. You'll find the links in the podcast description. I've got four other podcasts, Meditation, The Awakening, Crypto and Learn Polish, as well as being a podcasting coach. You'll find everything on buyer.link forward slash podcaster. Be sure to give us a thumbs up, five star rating and a review as it really helps. Today, my guest from America, please welcome Cheryl West Lu Long. Luong. Luong. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> it's a hard one for me. It is. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. So you might let the listeners know who show. I would love to. Well, I am based in Texas, born and raised. Hopefully, I don't have an accent. I've worked very hard as a speaker to not have a Texas accent, though it comes out occasionally. And I've been public speaking for a long time. And when I say a long time, I gave my first speech in second grade, and I realized that I loved it. I am not necessarily an extrovert, but I really loved being able to communicate an idea and see people respond to that idea. And I've been doing it ever since. And so some of the things that I really like to talk about are things that are current in the world and how society is dealing with those things and try to take complex ideas and make them simple and not oversimplified, but just make it so that people want to talk about them because sometimes it's really hard for us to talk about things. And so um, I'm a mom as well. And I find that as much as I think I'm a good communicator, I've learned that trying to explain things to kids will teach you very quickly. That you aren't as good a communicator as you think. And so that has helped me uh, hone my communication quite a bit. I'm a lifelong educator. I've been in both higher ed and in the high school, you know, what we call K through 12 here in America. And um, I love being with people in transition. And so for me, that's been students for a long time. I've now moved on from higher education into more coaching and consulting and being with people just kind of wherever they are. And so that's something that I've done for a long time in, in various ways. And specifically, um, my focus has been more recently, and I say that last decade or so, in diversity, equity, and inclusion, and in the intersections of how we are both different and have common ground and the ways that our world um, figures out how to deal with those things. And so I like to speak on those topics as well. So that's a little bit about me. And also, I believe, a cat lover. I am a cat lover. I have four um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not embarrassed about that one bit. So I am a cat lover. Yes. I've had uh, cats all my life growing up, but now because I've moved from Ireland to Poland, I have two wild cats. They won't, they just hiss at me, but I'm feeding them and they just come inside the door. They're looking in, in at me and uh, I just love watching them, you know, play and just run around. So, yeah. yeah. So you've with, I know that you've done, like, was coaching for debating or was it just uh, in school that you were doing the debating, that helping people with debating? Both. So I started out really in middle school. So I was about 12 when I started um, doing debate. And one of the things about debate is that, and I didn't know this when I signed up, I thought, oh, I get to argue, is that you get a topic and then when you go to compete you have to do rounds on both sides 
And so then I think that shaped me probably more than any part of my entire education. And I have a master's degree, but my education was most formed by having to form a case on both sides of an issue and argue it well and with with research. And so, yeah, I started there. And then in high school, I really transitioned more into the speech side. It's the same tournaments that you go to. To, and I was already doing oration and extemporaneous speaking and extemporaneous speaking is where you draw um, five topics, three to five, depending on the tournament. And you have 30 minutes to write a five to seven minute speech and deliver it from memory. And the topics are questions. So it might be something like, I mean, back, you know, I will date myself a little bit, but it would be something like, well, I'll give a more generic one. So if it were today, it would be something like, um, will the U.S. economy recover from the um, suspected recession? And then you would go in and you would give an intro and a body and conclusion. You would answer the question and then you would say things like, according to the New York Times on July 1st, you know, 2022 and give us, the, you know, an actual site. And so you'd have to memorize all of that. And so I got to be a speaker that could learn a lot of information and, and speak very quickly. And so that was another piece of my education that uh, was very formative. And then when I graduated, um, I was hired back on by my own high school, another high school in my district to continue to coach students. And I did that through college. I put myself through college, both coaching and judging and working tournaments and working camps. And then I set by for a little while and then I helped start another program at another school a few years later. So excellent. I, I think everybody should learn to do the debating from both sides because even now everyone has a belief system and they just attack each other. Whereas if you are trained to kind of like it because I've done it as a joke on speeches with a friend because he you know he, he believes man was on the moon I don't but then we actually reversed it and I, I love that because then you're you're really thinking of the other side and if if children were taught that in a, an early age I think it would make society a lot better yeah and every tournament you know win or lose you get four rounds uh, before you know advancing into what you might call a playoffs, but they're called out rounds. And so you get to practice at least four times, two on each side. That's so really, it's, it's very formative and it certainly teaches you. Um, and it's not, it's both the critical thinking skills, but also the research skills, because you got to go find the research to prove those things. And is it there? And so, and to form, formulate, you know, these op opinions with some facts and then you realize there's lots of ways to think about things and understand why people think certain ways. And so, yeah, it, and that really moved me into what I'm doing today, which I do communication consulting and help organizations do more strategic communication, try to avoid crisis communication um, because of the way we frame the kind of communication that we have um, in organizations often is that we don't have the right tools because we didn't do those things as kids. And so we send out a memo 
and everyone gets really worried because it's who's getting fired or who's in trouble because it's not clear communication. It's not done well. And so we try to, myself and my business partner, we try to help organizations put out better communication, whether it's in memos, whether it's in more intentional meetings and how we set up our staff meetings so that that communication is done with compassion and it's done um, what we call generous listening and generous communication so that the rhythm of an office is such that people are hearing each other and able to kind of think in those ways so that when the crisis comes, because there's always a crisis, right? Um, you have the tool set to really communicate in a better way. Excellent. And the the, the company is Cardia uh, House, yeah? Cardia House, yes. Yeah, okay, excellent. So I know that um, you're a TEDx speaker as well, and it's Grand Junction. So I've is that in, uh, well, what's Grand Junction about? Because normally it's like TEDx, you know, the city or whatever, but I've never heard of Grand Junction. Is that it in is there? a city. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's in Colorado. Okay, okay. So it's about halfway between Salt Lake City and Denver. Okay. So, yeah. So I know, I, I've listened to it. It was a very nice speech. Uh, why grandma is losing out to Friendsgiving. So you might just talk about your journey of that, how you landed it, your preparation for your TEDx. Sure, I would love to. I feel like that talk really summarizes a lot of of who I am and what I'm about um, as a person and but it also has a lot to do with my my journey in understanding the communication that we were just just talking about and particularly through the pandemic which I think really brought up a lot of how we were learning to communicate in a different space and with different rules in so many ways. And so that talk, um, we'll make sure it's in the show notes, but just to give you a summary, it's a silly name, but really the idea was that we had for so long, I think, gone through the motions of gathering in certain ways because that was the routine. So you get together with your family over the holidays or with certain people and at times, someone probably doesn't feel like they really belong in that setting or they have struggle in that setting, but it's just what you do. And then during the pandemic, when we couldn't necessarily, especially in, in the U parts of the U.S., you know, you, you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't be, and I know this was true for you too, but you couldn't be with your family. You ended up making new connections in smaller locations. And then things open back up and people had to decide, do I want to go back to my old routine or do I want to continue with these new smaller local pockets because our globalized world became very local. And so it's, do I want to go back to the, to the rush of things? Do I want to go back to, to what it was? And so really it's a challenge to re-examine um, inclusivity and belonging in, in light of, our traditions and our, and, you know, our gathering. And so for me, um, it was really a kind of a call to slow down a little bit because we, I think, wanted to kind of forget anything happened and move really fast. And so my process was that I was part of um, a speaker certification program called the Big Talk Academy. It's based in New York. And so I actually got to do a virtual showcase and workshop a really short bit of that 
and it gave me some of the ideas. It's a fantastic program. And then I went through and found, and this is what I'd recommend for people. I found a theme. And so that's how I found Grand Junction. They had a theme that really fit the talk. It was, uh, it was called um, Reimagine. I thought it fit what I wanted to do. And so I was able to pitch um, the idea and then really write a fuller, newer talk because things had changed by then in terms of where we were with COVID. And um, it was a fantastic organization, event organizer. And so then I um, really leaning on my old skills of current events had to rewrite because it had been about nine months and the world was in a different place, but the, the theme was still there. And so um, it was just an incredible experience and one that um, I'm really glad that I got to, to take part of. So I know like you've done events and you were helping organize speakers, but you're also planning your own event in, I think, November, bringing in speakers. So for those that are kind of want to aspire to organize their own events, because I like I've been to plenty of events and everybody would love to do it, especially when they see something going on. They'd always like to add their own little thing. So you might kind of talk about what your own event, what you're doing, but also the ones that you've done and the kind of hiccups that you kind of come across between getting speakers and the different things that people mightn't think about. Yes, I would love to. I am planning an event in November. It's called the Belief in Belonging Festival, which you probably heard some of those themes just a minute ago. And I've been doing event organizing also for a long time. I started pretty young as a, a camp director for students and then at the university, if you know anything about what we call student life or student affairs, you're throwing massive events for students at Welcome Week, and you may have 2,000 students, and you're, you know, you're throwing a concert or, you know, vendor fair or all kinds of things. And so I got a lot of great experience at the university level, and all kinds of things go wrong, especially if you have, you know, several thousand um you know, 18 to 20 year olds in a space. So I've, I have learned a few things. One of the things that um, I would say, if you are looking at, at planning an event, is that you build a team around you that you trust and that you don't try to do it by yourself or be afraid of collaboration. Because the more that you collaborate, it's not competition it really is how you learn. And so asking other people how they've done things, trying to learn from other events, go to other events, observe, see what you like, what you don't like, um, find out what happened behind the scenes, volunteer at some events, because that is truly the best way to learn is to be behind the scenes. Even if all you're doing in your mind is registration and you think that's not a big deal, you will learn a lot more than you think you will. Um, just standing at the door and signing people in or um, some of the most simple tasks because you will be privy to more than you would just in the audience. And so those are a few really basic things that I would say to start with. Um, I have a, just quickly, I will say, uh, while I was at TEDx Grand Junction, there was a student who was on the volunteer team who came up to me and it turned out that she, though, is a a native of Grand Junction, Colorado, happens to be a university student in my town here in Texas. And so we connected and she's really interested in event organizing in general and is 
is wanting to do that in the future. And so um, she didn't know that I had this plan for an event, but I immediately said, hey, <laughs> when we get back to Texas, um, I would love it if you um, joined me in working this event. And she was took advantage of that and said, and told me about her plans and her dreams. And so I was asking her just about social media because she had done social media for this group. And she was brave and bold and said, you know, I don't really want to do social media anymore. I want to learn how to run events. And so because she said what she needed and what she wanted to do, I said, okay, well, come shadow me. Tell me what you want to learn. Learn those things. She's going to be our house manager. And she's gone to meetings with me with the venues. And so she's you know learning everything that she can just by by asking. And so I think that's the other thing is just to ask, ask people and let them know what you're trying to learn. Right. And then regarding getting into speakers, is there anything, because I know some speakers, they kind of have a big list of what they want, you know, they kind of, they're on a pedestal, but is there anything that you've learned from just trying to get the speakers on the stage and, you know, that that will be at maybe previous events that you've done and even what you're kind of organizing for, for November as well. A couple of things I would say, one is in terms of relationships with your organizers is to meet your deadlines, to communicate if you're having trouble with any of the pieces or you don't understand as quickly as you can, read your emails, you know, pay attention to the things that are sent to you. Um, and I, I love all of my speakers and I'm, this is not me speaking of anyone in my particular process, but I will say that um, from other organizers that I run with, that is always a complaint is that, and that to know that organizers talk to each other. And so you don't want to get a reputation as being someone who is late, who doesn't pay attention to directions. Um, it's okay to say, I don't understand this or I'm struggling. That's very different than just not paying attention or just disappearing for a while and nobody knows are you really working on this are you okay so just to be honest and open to your communication and to pay attention and then in terms of honing skills what we're doing right here start getting on podcasts recording yourself even if you're not on podcasts and watching yourself which is never comfortable but an important skill um, as much practice as you can get even if you're not booking events getting in front of family and friends, finding coffee shops to do little, you know, poetry, even if you're not into poetry, just, you know, short stories, anything you can do to just keep being in front of audiences, even if they're small and you think this isn't significant, it's always significant and it always helps you. Excellent, excellent. So like, I know you talk about as well the relationship with writing and speaking and obviously with your TEDx you know you've done that but you might just talk to let people know about kind of the writing of the speech not just the TEDx one but any of the speeches that you've done mm -hmm. everyone I think has a different process but it's important that you write and stay connected to it every day even if you don't write a lot um, even if it's just some editing, there's a couple of different ways to do that. I really like the website 750 words, which will keep what you write and send it to you, but it will 
track when you've written 750 words and it just kind of is a motivator and it doesn't necessarily have to be good writing I think is the other thing sometimes it's a brain dump sometimes it's just getting things out know that you will get rid of a lot of what you write <clears throat> and that's okay because you may only get two or three really good lines but they may spur a whole section of what ends up being a really good part of your talk. So there's um, one particular part of my talk that people always bring up and it's about hospitality and belonging. And that came out of a writing session where it was literally two sentences and it's all that got kept and people always bring it up now. And it's funny because it was, you know, just these two little lines that I copied and pasted. And it was the only thing that that got saved and now it's um, probably the most popular part of my talk. So um, it may not feel like it's going well in the moment, but it's all part of getting down to the, the real idea. And then I, my other thing that I will say quickly is that you will probably write multiple talks at the same time and have to pick which one is the one you're doing right now. And so when I say get rid of, I don't mean actually get rid of it, save it all because you may have something else that's another talk for another day. Um, so that's the other thing. Okay. And like, I know some people use Evernote. I, I can't for the life <laughs> of me. I, I just find yeah. it straight. I don't, but I, I don't love it either. Yeah. It just never worked for me. And uh, I kind of tend to Dropbox. I put stuff on Dropbox so that that way then, I can be anywhere instead of just having it on my computer. But is there any system that you use that you'd recommend? Similarly, I use Google Docs yeah. so that I can get to it anywhere. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, and I just make, I have a, I'll say version 0 0.2, 0 0.3, 0 0.4. And I just keep copying and pasting until I get to another draft. So I can go back to an older version if I get somewhere and see kind of, I like to see the evolution of what I've done. And then sometimes, um, go back and grab a line that I dropped that I want again. But that's just kind of how that, I like that, it. That's the good idea because what I tend to do is just kind of, I have the one version and just use it. I actually like that. That's a good way of doing it. You know, that you're, you know, your original draft because sometimes you could go on a tangent and end up talking about something else, but a lot of the stuff that was there would be relevant for something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with the, with the, cause I like, You've got the business, then you've got like you know the the the, the coaching. So like you know you're going into the speak uh, speech coach. You know, so do you market yourself because it's more like the social media side? Because I I love asking people now because I'm bamboozled with it to be honest with you. There's so much out there. Like, do you compress everything that you go into the one website with you and everything's there, or do you find that you should you're you're trying to keep everything separate? You know, that is still the million dollar question. I don't try to keep everything separate, um, but I am often finding that it is difficult to to keep those channels clear. And so as far as Cardia House goes, it really is the umbrella for everything. And so like the Belief and Belonging Festival is a partnership of Cardia House and another a similar group called Abbey Research out of uh, Philadelphia. And so those are two companies are doing this together. And so um, 
with myself and and one of their consultants and so um, or actually their president and so we're doing that together and so that kind of is an umbrella and then as far as speaking that is a little bit of a one-off for me but my speaker page is part of my cardio house um, website and then you know I'm still kind of figuring out some of the marketing I do have a separate page for cardio house as far as Instagram and Facebook and the belief in belonging because it is just a, an event it makes more sense to let it live on its own um, as an event page but yeah, marketing is something I've learned a ton about in the last couple of years, as I think it is evolving very quickly and is always changing. So I'm always willing to learn and, and I get lots of um, messages in my LinkedIn inbox uh, with, with offers to help. So I'm learning. Yeah, no, I think if we blink, there's something new appears and then we have to try to mm -hmm. figure out that one. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Listen, Cheryl, thoroughly enjoyed our conversations. You might let people know. Where can they find you? Well, I will tell you first with this event that's coming up in November, we are going to live stream and sell virtual tickets. So wherever you are in the world, I would love for you to join us. And if you are busy or the time zone is a problem for you on November 5th, we will have a 72 hour delay so you can watch it um, for you know, 72 hours after the 5th. And you can find us at on either Instagram or Facebook. It's Belief Belonging Festival. And you will find there the link to our Eventbrite page for our ticketing options. And then Cardia House is K-A-R-D-I-A house.com. You can also look both of those up on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, etc. And then you can uh, find me um, also, uh, Cheryl WL, if you want to do the backslash on LinkedIn, as well as um, the same moniker on Instagram. And um, I would be happy to connect you to any of those pieces if you're having trouble finding them. But would love to connect to you, if, especially if you're looking for a speaker or trying to connect to some consulting and had trouble getting to any of those pieces. But it's been a pleasure talking to you today. And just quickly, cardia, was, is there a meaning behind cardia? Yes, it's Greek for heart, but in the Greek, it it's a holistic uh, meaning. So it's your your whole being, it's your mind, your, your intellect, your... Um, wellness your soul it's kind of this whole being idea so we we talk a lot about helping organizations find organizational health and individuals find relational wholeness and when we feel like when our communication is where it should be then we can be um, in better relationships with each other and our organizations can be in healthier places beautiful excellent so I'll make sure I'll put all the links that you've mentioned both on the audio and the video. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's all for the Speaking Podcast. You'll find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com. As mentioned, we're on YouTube. Be sure to give us a thumbs up, five-star rating, and share with your friends. It all helps. Until next week, take care.